0: To, uh, be here and uh, see everyone. We'll see some anyway. Always um, well, a bit difficult. We're having a good time up here at the moment. Um, uh, as much as we're all in lockdown, we had uh, quite an exciting week uh, that's just uh, gone. Uh, firstly, we had the birth of Nathan and Kira's little baby. Uh, little Khan was born last Sunday, early hours of the morning, um, which was tremendous. And then uh, yesterday, we had one of the young children actually receive the Holy Spirit with a a wonderful tongue, so it's quite exciting. Uh, The testimony with um, Kira giving birth last uh, Sunday, uh, Nathan was sharing it with us today, uh, that uh, little Carm was born with um, uh, quite a severe jaundice um, and they were just about at the brink on Wednesday of um, taking him away from the parents and putting him into another room where they'd um, (laughs) increased the amount of light I'll light on him to try to help with uh, dealing with the um, uh, jaundice. But uh, we had prayer as a church over Wednesday nights. And then Nathan also through the night on uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, as he was nursing little calm. And uh, on Thursday, they said, we don't know what's happened, but he doesn't need to go into the other room. And he's so good, you can actually take him home now. So quite a miracle the way the Lord moved upon that situation for them. So it was great to see him today at his first uh, revival meeting. All right, let's open up uh, to Luke chapter 5 and uh, touching on fruit, as uh, Nick was talking about. Um, we'll go through a few scriptures on that. Um, but we uh, yes. want to talk about being followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, we read of that here in Luke. In fact, each of the Gospels starts off with, the calling of the disciples, and certainly Matthew, Mark and Luke uh, in more detail speak about uh, their calling, and I just want to read of one of those here in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets, the end of the fishing day as it were. And he entered into one of the ships which was Simon's and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking he said unto Simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing nevertheless at your word I will let down the net. And when they had uh, this done they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth you shall catch men. And when they had brought their ships for land, they forsook all and followed him. In a story there, of the calling of the disciples, uh, in some of the uh, uh, Gospels, it's just described as sort of a one scripture event, one verse event, where they seem to be called, here we see a little bit more detail in terms of that calling that they've gone through. And perhaps it reminds us a little bit about our life and maybe the toil that we've been through in that uh, in our life we can go through our difficulties and our struggles and we seem to be not succeeding in life. And Jesus shows us a better way, shows us another way. And uh, he takes us out into the ocean, as it were, to cast down our net and we find success through Jesus Christ. And uh, as the message is here, uh, fear not from henceforth you'll catch men. I've got a job for you to do. I've got a calling for you. You're now my people and I've got uh, something for you to do. And as we read in verse 11, the verse I particularly want to just focus on for a moment, it says, When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And today we live in a way that... Um, We don't see too much of this, I might add. Uh, When somebody hears the gospel message of throwing everything away and following the Lord in the way that we see the disciples. And uh, maybe to understand a little of what the disciples did here, we look at the word follow and uh, we see that um, it has uh, has a, a stronger meaning than just to, as we would say to follow somebody today, would be to just follow where they're going or walk in the direction that they're going in or something fairly loose like that. It actually has a, as I say, a bit more of a stronger meaning. It's made up of two words and together, uh, to companion in union and likeness. To companion in union and likeness. Or perhaps just simply to be in the same way. Uh, To follow in the same way. To do everything like Jesus Christ was. And it's our calling today. We're called by the Lord to do things the way Jesus Christ did. He's our number one example that we want to follow. He's our leader in this world. People crave leadership today and they crave good leadership. There's lots of not so good leadership around the world. You've only got to put the news on to hear people complaining about the leadership, uh, within the world today. But there's one leader that will never let us down, and it's Jesus Christ. But what he calls us to do is to follow the example that he has set. And it's not some sort of loose arrangement that we seem to follow, but it's one in which we, as we read here in this verse, forsake things in this life that we might follow more and more the ways of Jesus Christ. And uh, it's something we don't always do. Day one of being born again, that we throw everything away in our old life, but rather it's a progressive growth in the Lord that we go through. In Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 18, don't turn there, it says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We're called to grow our knowledge, our understanding, reading the Word of God, praying in the Holy Spirit, encouraging one another through our times of fellowship and our meetings and so on, that we can grow that understanding and the knowledge of the grace of God in our life. In Ephesians chapter 4, we we're reading verse 11 to 13, he says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. But it, it points now to why? till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And Implicit in that is that we're growing in the Lord, that we're learning what we need to forsake, what we need to put on, how we need to follow the example that we want to be to others as we follow the example that Jesus Christ has set for us. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 44, don't turn there again, it says, As is the earthy, such are also they that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have formed the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. In a similar vein, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of our Lord. We're being changed. Uh, If you like that metamorphosis process that's going on inside that we don't see, uh, but we know that as we walk on in the Lord and as we apply ourselves in the things of the Lord, we see that growth in our life. We look back and we can see the changes that God has made. Let's just turn to Mark chapter 5. Few things to bring out here, starting in verse 26, no chapter four. Okay, uh, starting in verse 26, as I said, uh, and he said, "So is the kingdom of God, as, Israel, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, and he knoweth not how, for the earth brings forth the fruit of itself, first the blade." Then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. For when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest is come. And it's a process that we go through, growing in the Lord. And uh right now we're in the middle of a, a quite a, a damp winter. I won't say it's a particularly wet one, but there's certainly plenty of rain around. And uh, I don't have to look far to see example. Of growth coming through. Unfortunately, it's all weeds at the moment, um, but you see them growing in abundance, and you get the picture of uh, the seed is there, and then eventually the uh, there's the springing forth of the blade. We're watching that at the moment, and eventually there'll be plenty more seed coming forth, and uh, eventually, as a farmer does, uh, there's a crop to reap. And so it is uh, as the kingdom of God, but in our lives individually that as we walk on in the Lord, it's uh, perhaps uh, simplified as a process here, but as the seed is being used, and we know the seed is described to us in the parables of the sower and the seed, that it's the word of God, and it's the seed that we sow into our life that brings forth that new life, that brings forth the fruit that God wants us to have and demonstrate in our own lives. And it's a process over time. We can't short-circuit that process. We don't suddenly get born again and know everything and, and perfect everything in our life. But Rather, it's a process we go through within our walk in the Lord and it's enjoyable and we can look back over the years and see the changes that the Lord has made for us and uh, the benefits that we see in our own lives. Uh, I want to go back to um, Mark chapter 10. We'll go up to Mark chapter 10, I should say. We'll come back to Mark... Um, possibly a little later. Mark chapter 10, and starting in verse 17. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, and kneeled to him, and asked him, Good Master, what shall I do, that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Be fraud not, honour thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatsoever you have, and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. It's interesting that when you read uh, this particular story here, and the term to take up the cross and follow me is used five times through the Gospels. And uh, it's used in three different ways, and we're going to look at each of those. The first one here that we read is of this man that comes to Jesus and uh, has a conversation with him, and he probably knew in himself there's something holding me back in my walk. There's something I need to be doing. And until he has the conversation, he's not quite aware of it perhaps, or maybe he did know. But we read interestingly in verse 21, Jesus beholding him loved him. It's the love of Jesus Christ that he wants to see us change. And he wants to advise us, as a good leader does, that maybe there's adjustments we need to make in our walk in the Lord. There's things we may be ne- needing to correct. There's situations that, uh, that we've come up to, and perhaps we've not handled it very well. And so the Lord wants to show us a better way in which to deal with it. And sometimes we're encouraged through the talks. Maybe it's a testimony that we hear. Wasn't that a fantastic testimony we heard earlier of the sister being completely healed of that uh, paralysis condition? And uh, just think, how amazing is the power of God to change situations like that? Um, Maybe we need God to deal with something in our life that is beyond us, and we need help in dealing with it. And isn't it great the love of God is there that he wants to actually show us and teach us Sometimes we don't always receive it in that way. Maybe we uh, don't want to be told initially. But the Lord is persistent and he wants us to learn, to grow and to overcome all of the situations that we might go through in our life. And Jesus says to him, you lack in this way and do something about it. And he concludes by saying, take up the cross and follow me. And uh, I want to look at that term in a moment, but let's look at a couple of other scriptures related to it, starting in uh, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. We read, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword, for I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. And Jesus teaches another principle here at which he concludes in a similar way about taking up the cross and following him once more. Again, it's that same word, to follow, meaning to be in the same way with, to companion in union and likeness. And on this occasion, he's making the point, you're going to face perhaps challenges from family, Friends, maybe it's work colleagues, maybe it's uh, uh, the next door neighbour that gives you a hard time. You have brother and sister here that their neighbours, or well, actually a couple now that I think about it, that are giving them quite some challenges. And but we've got to make the stand for the Lord is the point that uh, the Lord is putting forward to us here. Uh, Lynn Wesley, um, who's uh, with Frank, recently moved over to Perth to live. And uh, not long after getting there, uh, Lynn's brother actually took um, uh, or had an accident and was quite ill thought they might lose him. And he was in hospital and uh, in intensive care. And one of uh, their cousins came down from Darwin. And it led to a witness uh, as a result of that. Um, that cousin that had already uh, been baptised and spirit-filled, but his wife had never received the Holy Spirit. So Frank and Lynn witnessed to them, and as a result of that, she received the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so um, a great blessing there for them. Um, and I was chatting to the, the man who actually, uh, the, the cousin who lives up in Darwin just a, a week or so ago, and he was saying, we gave Lynn so much when she first came along to the church and we ostracised her, and Lynn's always told me about the difficulty that her family had caused her, but I was hearing it firsthand from the family. And he said, now I understand what she's into. Um, you know, I'll realise the pain that we put her through. And people sometimes do that, don't they? Maybe you've faced it for yourself. But the Lord is saying, continue to make a stand, and describes it here in this way uh, in verse 38. He that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. In other words, we can't put something else before the Lord is the point that he's making, not to find our life in this world, as it were, and in the process lose the promise of eternal life that the Lord has given us. As a follower, we need to continue to follow the Lord, even through hardship that we might need to go uh, go through perhaps even the persecution that others put upon us. Uh, Luke chapter 9. We look at the last one. this This particular passage is repeated three times through the Gospels of the means to us. Pay attention to what's being said. There's a message the Lord wants us to understand in Luke chapter 9 and verse 21 it says, And he straightly charged them and commanded them to, uh, to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? And um I realize that um as I'm reading this, it's uh the passage there back in verse twenty, where uh, just read that, uh, he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Peter answering said, the Christ of God. And uh, then there's this conversation uh, that uh, then follows where Jesus says uh, and makes this point to them about denying himself, taking up his cross and following him once more. And in this instance, in the other accounts, we read how that. Um, Jesus actually was rebuked by Peter. And Peter, in uh, rebuking Jesus, Jesus responds with this point that he makes here, and that is, again, uh, to uh, deny yourself and take up the cross and follow him, to follow Jesus Christ. The point that he's actually making uh, in uh, saying that to Peter is that Peter Is coming to his own conclusion. He's making up his own mind as to what Jesus is actually saying to him. Uh, No, Lord, you're not going to suffer. You're not going to die is the point that uh, Peter makes. And Jesus responds by saying to him, well, uh, that's not your call. You've got to follow me. You've got to deny yourself and not reach your own conclusions and walk in your own mind and your own imagination but rather to put those things aside and to follow me. Lose your own life. He goes on in verse 25. What is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Now, um, in the business world, uh, and we don't necessarily like to take too much from that, um, but perhaps uh, in the sense of understanding people being followers today, um, the business world laments as leadership and they they work very hard at trying to create a management style and structure that uh, somehow leads people to follow them. And there's much study, of course, into this area. And you'll read of uh, uh, followers in, in a business setting being described in different ways. And I was reading something that perhaps struck a chord with me. In terms of our walk in the Lord, how would we describe ourselves as a follower of Jesus Christ? And one school of thought in this area describes followers in five different categories. And I thought it might be interesting just to read through these five categories. The first one is pacified. Don't pay too much attention to the words so much as to perhaps what it means. The first one is the isolate. Uh, somebody who's completely detached. No influence exists between the leader and follower. Um, I'm sure we've experienced those kinds of people. There might be a formal relationship of authority, but the isolate doesn't really care about the leader. Uh, the next one was the bystander, there's five different categories here, this is the second. Observes the leader but does not participate in any interaction. Uh, these followers make a decision to stand on the sidelines. A small amount of influence occurs in this type of relationship. The bystander's decision to withdraw, however, points for a position of neutrality about the leader. The participant is more engaged and willing to invest time and resources in support of the leader. Uh, the activist has strong emotional feelings about the leader and acts on those emotions and works hard to support the leader. These followers are highly engaged. The diehard is the most engaged with leaders. These followers often exhibit deep devotion and uh, describes how they're willing to die for the cause of their leaders. The diehard forms an all consuming identity around the leader and his or her causes. Um, I don't to really comment too much on that, um, other than to say that you can see the degrees to which it's described in this way. And for the Lord Jesus Christ, we'd hope that we're in the latter kind of description that is being made, that we're a person that's made our decision, that we're following the Lord. Come what may, through thick or thin, whatever the cost might be to our natural life, that we're prepared to take up our cross. That might mean giving up things in this life. It might mean coming to decision points where we realise, I've got to give this up. It's not healthy. It's not beneficial. To my walk in the Lord, whatever that might be, that we might follow the Lord more and more. When you've been around in the Lord a number of years, as many here have, of course, that we often look at our life and we go back and we can see good decisions that have been made. Perhaps there's been not so good decisions along the way as well, where we made mistakes and we've had to backtrack over time and we come to a point where we realise, no, following the Lord is what I want to do. And you might notice, in the last three categories in particular, but there was one word that was being used there. It's about engagement. If we engage with our leader, then we get a greater uh, impact of that leader in our life. And certainly is the case with Jesus Christ. Uh, look at you uh, all just quickly. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 19. Just the one verse here says, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And as we appreciate the hope that is given to us, the hope in this life, just as we hear testimonies like those today, where we can see God making a difference in a person's life, but we can see a person who's had difficulties that were not solvable naturally, or involved a lot of suffering, but we know that Jesus provides the answer to us. There's a hope. We draw in. We we get closer. We have a higher level of engagement, and we've got to make that decision for ourselves to engage with the Lord, that we might be that follower that just continues on and forsakes the other things in our life that might hold us back in our walk in the Lord. In chapter 10 of Hebrews, just turn over there, in verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart. That aspect again of the engagement, drawing near unto the Lord continually, in full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, appreciating that the Word of God is changing us, bringing about something good in our life, bearing the fruit that we were looking at that uh, parable of how it grows and brings forth the fruit that we can take in our life. In verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, without having doubt, but appreciating that God has the answer for us, that the Lord is performing a good work and changing us for the better, and we want more of it. And sometimes we have points in our life that we maybe don't want the Lord to change initially. We look at it and say, I don't want to let go of this or I don't think I need to, perhaps. And yet, uh, it's a profession of our faith. Keep speaking faithful words of what God wants to do in our life, and the Lord will help us to overcome in those areas. It says at the end of verse uh, 23, as a bit of a footnote in brackets, He is faithful, that promise. God is totally faithful to us, and he wants us to be faithful to him in this way. In verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more, as you see the day approaching in um, chapter 12 of Hebrews begins by describing how we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses of uh, the, the patriarchs of the Old Testament, the testimonies that they've got of what God has done in their life. And we're surrounded not only by those things, but by each other. And the benefit that we have and the encouragement that we receive and the fellowship that we have with each other through meetings such as this, through the times of fellowship that we might have one-on-one, maybe it's a phone call during a lockdown that a brother or sister makes that makes a difference for somebody else who's perhaps not feeling so good about their situation and the circumstances they find themselves in. And we can all play a part in that, one way or another, but we're encouraged, as it says, as the day of the Lord approaches, boy, do we see that taking place today, more and more in the world, and uh, we want to see more and more of the things of the Lord and the the encouragement that we can provide one another by drawing in close together, iron sharpening iron, drawing upon each other our experiences, our testimonies, our faith, and uh, in doing so, Providing that encouragement to each other. Uh, I want to look at a couple of quick uh, Old Testament examples. Genesis chapter 12. I'll make these fairly quick. Genesis chapter 12. The story of Abraham before he was Abraham. In verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. And I'll make of you a great nation, I'll bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Paranth. I just imagine doing what, uh, he did, Abram here, um, upping your roots from the locality that you knew, your friends, your colleagues, all of your relationships that you had, um, perhaps your, your known farming techniques, the success you had as a person, as you did at this time, um, and you, you give up all of that and you head about 1,200 kilometres away to a completely foreign land that you know absolutely nothing about, amongst people you don't know, a harshness you don't know, and you've got to re-establish your life. Not only that, you're 75 years old when you're told to go and do it. Sounds pretty incredible. But I think the example that we have in our walk in the Lord is an example of somebody who said, well, Lord, if you said do it, then I'll do it. And he did it in faith. A faith that believed in the promises of God. That when God said something about him, he didn't mean something else. That every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from God. From the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning, nor variableness. There's no change in the promises of God. God said it, God does it. Believe the promises of God. And that's the message of Abraham, a man of faith. He's uh, quoted in Hebrews chapter 11. We'll just read it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise, for he looked for a city which have foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He left his comfortable home and his comfortable life to live in a tent and raise his children, uh, initially a promise because he couldn't have children, but he was told he would. And he brought them up in a tent, wandering around, a completely different lifestyle. He had to give everything up, but he gained so much more from God as he had that faith. Another example in the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Ruth, chapter 1, and it's the story of Ruth now. We know the story, perhaps, and uh, how um, Naomi, uh, Ruth, and the sister Orpah um, all become uh, without their husbands, or all their husbands die, and Orpah um, and, um, and Ruth are sisters, and Naomi says, well, I'm off back to my land, uh, out of the land of Moab, you stay here, um, there's no hope with with me anymore, you might as well just stay here, remarry, and get on with your lives, I'm off. And uh, Orpah, we read in verse 14, uh I might as well just read the scripture, and they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed the mother-in-law, but Ruth clay unto her. And she said, Behold, your sister-in-law is gone back unto her people, unto her gods. Return you after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, or to return from following after you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I lodge, will I lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death. Part you and me, when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her, and they went off together and Another example of somebody who left her old life and all that it perhaps gave her in terms of comforts and uh, the, the relationship she, that she had uh, the uh, perhaps, uh comfort of uh, knowing everybody around her, where she lived, how life was, and so on. And again, she left that to follow uh, Ruth, uh, probably Naomi, Naomi, to go back uh, with Naomi uh, to uh, restart her life. And what I really love about the story of Ruth is she goes back and there's so many aspects of it that are so good to read uh, and really encouraging, but... Ruth coaches her and the church coaches each of us as we begin our walk in the Lord and as we continue on in our walk in the Lord that we need sometimes to be encouraged in a particular way. We need to perhaps to be shown some scriptures about what God wants to do or maybe there's some aspect of our life that we need to alter and that maybe somebody comes along and sits down with us and encourages us with the scriptures about What's necessary here or there, and Ruth took that encouragement from Naomi. she was taught of her, and she reestablished her life and uh, There's a wonderful parallel, of course, to Jesus Christ and uh, uh, how um, Jesus rescued uh, Ruth uh, as in um I forgot his name now somebody help me Boaz that's right, Boaz uh, came along and uh, redeemed Ruth and they were married, and of course it's the promise of uh, Jesus Christ and the marriage uh, of the Lamb of God, the Church, ultimately raised up to be with the Lord, that we can look forward to uh, as the Lord um, uh, has given us that promise of eternal life when he returns. But Ruth had to make that decision, and uh, I love the words that he used here, the song that uh, Pastor Sasha and Ella sing that uh, is uh, using the words here, Uh, Your God will be my God. The God that I've worshipped hasn't worked. The God of Mammon of this world lets us down, but the God of the Bible doesn't. And the God of the Bible is going to provide the answers and the good life that we desire uh, to have in him. In Mark chapter 10, we'll look for a passage to finish on shortly. Mark chapter 10, in verse uh, 23. Now, we might say, as Peter does here, Peter and James, uh, what's in it for me? And uh, let's just read the story here in verse 23. And the disciples were astonished at his word, but Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? This is where Jesus is spoken to the man uh, that had great wealth, and told them that uh, he needs to sell all that he has and take up the cross and follow him. In verse 25, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a eagle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible, with God all things are possible. Hopefully you've got that one underlined or coloured in in your Bible, however you might highlight different verses because it's just a wonderful reminder that with God all things are possible. There's no situation God cannot turn around, that he cannot turn something that looks grim and bleak into a wonderful blessing as God promises it to us. In verse 28, then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed you. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels, that he shall receive a hundredfold, now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. And they were in the way, going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus went before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve, and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. And as we look into these verses, there's so much we can glean from them. But as Peter is saying there to the Lord, what's in it for me? If I've given up all of this, what am I going to get? And Jesus succinctly puts it, you are going to gain in this life a family. And here we are, surrounded by the family of God that loves us, cares for for us, is there to support and help us to go through this life and that ultimately there is the reward and promise of eternal life that comes. Uh, interesting there in verse 30, it says uh, part way through, with persecutions, it's like Jesus just slipped that one in. Let me re- remind you, you might face a bit of persecution on the way. There might be a little bit of hardship. You might have to put up with an accusation here or there, somebody throwing a brick through your window or or maybe some other uh, way in which they perhaps have a go at you in some way. But don't worry, you're going on to have eternal life. And the family of God is there to encourage you. And I'm going to bless your life, the Lord is saying to us. And uh, in verse uh, 31, Many that are first shall be last, and the last first. And, uh, again, we could spend a bit of time looking at this verse because, again, it's repeated through the Gospels in a number of places. But I've got this picture in my mind of um, the queue into the kingdom of God. And if you're towards the back of the queue, what are you going to do? If you think there's a cut-off line somewhere along the line, you're going to push your way up to the front, aren't you? And the way you do that in the things of the Lord, of course, is getting stuck into, growing in the Lord as we do, of uh making sure we're the followers of Jesus Christ, that we're right close to him, we're engaged with him, we're looking at what it is the Lord calls us to uh, and calls us to do in our life. And that uh, we don't want to be right at the back, as it were, where we might miss out, but rather involved, engaged in the things of God and the plan, purpose that God has for us to change our life and, ultimately, Give us the promise of eternal life. There's a few other scriptures we could go through, but the time we'll leave it there.